Welcome to Straight Out of Savannah, Talking with Tammy, a podcast that showcases people you may not know who are choosing to use their gifts to inspire and move the planet. spiritual awakening. Yeah, I'm talking to you right now. You've been stuck in religion for all of your life. And all of a sudden, now you realize that God is so much bigger than what you were taught. And now your gifts are opening up and you start feeling like you're losing your mind, possibly. If that's you, reach out to me and let's do a session. Matter of fact, I do mentoring for people um, leaving religion, entering spirituality. And especially if you are in a spiritual awakening, your gifts are opening, you don't understand what's happening. Reach out to me. Send me a message right here on this platform. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on Straight Out of Savannah. I am super excited to be here today. Today's guest is Safriana Luna, and she is going to tell you who she is and what it is that she does. And then we're going to take it from there. So Safriana, take it away. Thank you so much, Tammy. I'm so appreciative of being on here today. And I'm Safriana Luna. I'm also known as the Queer Spirit Guide, and I have co-founded a brand called Living Luna, and we are all about uplifting the others of the world. So we are just trying to shine our light and do our stuff out there publicly, openly, showing that it is okay to be different, that we can celebrate our differences and come together in community. Uh, And I offer retreats, rituals, and other such experiences to help people drop more deeply into themselves so they can live in that authenticity. Oh, wow. That is, that's a, that's an amazing, um, I'm going to say gift. Thank you. Because, you know, we don't have a lot of people out here being their authentic self in this community. Because uh, I know as being a spiritual entrepreneur, it's like so many things are taboo. And then we have to overcome so many things in order to get to the place where we are. And so I wanted to kind of talk, start there. You know, what brought you into this particular um, area? And where yes. did you come from? Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up in upstate New York as the sort of odd girl out. I was the black sheep right away in my family and my friend system. I grew up with this sense of connection to the world and this belief that everyone was equal. And I remember one of the first examples of that was a black girl moved into the school district. A black family moved into the neighborhood. Only black family anywhere in upstate pasty white New York. Um, I'm sure in the city it's very different, but I'm talking like I grew up in the country mm-hmm. of New York, like cow pie. Okay. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, so right. No one had ever seen a like no one in my elementary school had ever seen a person with skin darker than mine before because I was a sun baby and out tanning all the time but that's about as dark as we got and so this family moves in and 
I just befriended her right away. I befriended this little girl. She looked different than me, but I didn't care. And we played baby dolls with each other and we celebrated each other. And then I moved to Maryland and I discovered racism (laughs) and I went, uh, what is this? Right. And then I, I started to realize that that was getting activated in me, that those beliefs that other people were carrying around had a legacy in my own bloodline Mm -hmm. that needed to be healed. And I still, of course, continued to befriend diverse people, but I started to have these inner issues, these inner legacies that we have in our country of things like sexism and racism and inner homophobia and any non-Christian anything phobia, right? And so I just lived in this diverse place going, this isn't okay. Everyone should be treated equally. Right. And I believe that from the time I was a child. So I wanted to figure out how in the world do I help everyone or as many people as I can, as many diverse people as I can. So I went into public school teaching and taught in Maryland middle school system for nearly a decade. One of the most diverse school systems um, in the area here one of the most diverse schools. So I was working with kids from all kinds of religious backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds, you know, all shades of skin from every country around the world, like huge diversity. And I was like, okay, now I started seeing the thread of trauma that ran through all of them. So I went back to school to become a therapist. (laughs) You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. So then... I went and became a therapist and became a trauma therapist and started working with diverse populations and marginalized populations, LGBTQ, people of color, BIPOC, like all of these non-Christian religions, people that have had trauma from literally all walks of life. And I still keep seeing the central thread. Oh, we're all traumatized. We're all trying to unpack the same issues and we're all equal. And so seeing how the medical system and the school system treats people. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it anymore. And I said, I'm, I'm unhooking from this so that I can stand out here and start speaking up on these issues Yes, because it takes, it takes ownership, right? Like it takes us owning and I am white, right? I have to own my white privilege and owning my white privilege allows me to also have a healthy intersection with my areas of non-privilege Yes. And if I don't talk about both, I can't heal. So I really got into this work because I want to walk that healing out loud and I want to have the hard conversations. And I want to say the way the medical system is treating people is not okay. The way the school system is treating these kids and these teachers is not okay. The way the therapy world is treating its therapists is not okay. Yep. How we treat our spiritual healers is not okay. Yes. We don't view emotional and intellectual and spiritual labor the same way we do more masculine patriarchal forms of labor yes and I I can relate to all of that yeah because I was in the medical field for 33 years nurse for 30 years and I saw how it did and I I noticed and I and of course experienced too as a woman and as a black woman how they treat us, you know, and I actually had a lot of that type of situations happening over the last year because I was sick, Um, never, ever got a diagnosis. 
nobody ever seemed to give a fuck about what what the problem was they were actually looking at me and saying stupid stuff like oh we can't give you any opioids i said i never asked for any and i don't want any right i want to know what's wrong what's the underlying issue right so i can work on it because i know that you know in the medical system well they don't really give a fuck about anybody you know all they they care about is the dollar big Mm -hmm. pharma and they want to push you know drugs on you and all that stuff and i saw that and i was like you i said i i cannot do this system anymore right can't do it because when you're a person that are empathic and you care about people and you love people you can't be involved in that system because it's so corrupt I, I watched the video yesterday where this doctor was talking about it and he said that he and his wife had stepped away from the death care system and that's what he called it he said it's not the health care system it's the death care system yeah you know it is. I, so the education is exactly the same because I actually have a few friends that they had to leave teaching as well because, you know, they, they had a heart to do it and they wanted to help the kids and, you know, the families and all that stuff. But, you know, they tie your hands. They do. They absolutely do. And, you know, what was coming to mind as you were saying all of that is you were also more down in this helping role, right? You were directly helping people. It's the therapists, it's the nurses, it's the ones that are literally pouring out this emotional labor, their intellectual labor, and often their spiritual and intuitive labor without realizing it. Yes. To really care for and connect soul to soul Mm -hmm. with other people and get to the underlying, you know, what's going on. And it's like the people making the big money who aren't caring for the people and they're stepping on the backs of the therapists and the nurses. The people that are caring. Yes, that are doing the care. And so it's completely off balance. That's not how it should be in any way, shape or form. And it's not, it continues to perpetuate. I mean, we've got the prison pipeline in the public school. Okay, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing. And then, you know, the medical field, like the studies that came out that show that to this day, doctors still think, doctors still think black people experience less pain than white people. Absolutely. What? Um, this so when I had my babies, okay, I had two. Um, these people let me labor for over 20 hours with both of them. And then at the end, I ended up having a C section with mm. both of them. And I think about that and I think I actually was sitting one day with that and I said, you know, if I I said I'm grateful that I was born in this this time I said because if I was born in like the 15 16 17 1800s I'd I'd have died probably my baby would have died you know Mm -hmm. and I had to be grateful for that but then the other part is why hell you let me labor for 20 some freaking hours you know in the in the the late 80s and the 90s when I had babies you know why right and then 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 have to do a c-section and they let me labor so long with my my oldest that when she came out she was purple. Mm. Yeah. Cause they had to get, wow. they had to get her out. They got her out in like 10 minutes. They were like, we got to do a C-section, blah, blah, blah. Before I knew it, they whisked me in the, the operating room and they, they snatched my baby out so fast and wow. they took her away because she was freaking purple. So, you know, I didn't even get to hold her. You didn't get the bonding. Right. And so I, I think about that and I say, okay, you know, and, and then with the next baby, 
I told them that it happened exactly the same way. I never dilated past five, never, never got to 10, never got to seven, none of that. And so I thought, and, and I always in my mind, I think I never want to say, okay, so was it racism that, that, that they did me like that? You know what I mean? I try really hard not to go in that direction. Right. You know, when you see it and you know it and you're, you know, I don't know about you, I'm 54 years old. You see it and you know it, you feel it, you know it, mm-hmm. you know, and you, even if you try to say, no, nah, no, nah, maybe it's, you know, not that, you know, but you know it. Yeah. I mean, I see it all the time. I recently went to, um, I'm not going to call it a retreat. I, I went on a, a vacation, we'll call it. <laughs> and there were a group of us sharing on this vacation and it was, it was mostly a, a, group full of white women with a couple of maybe ambiguous ethnic background, you know, hard, yeah. we shouldn't assume, we should not assume, right, but right. you can start to assume when you get to different skin tones that they are non-white. And there was one person in the group that it was clearly non-white. She happens to be biracial, but non-white. And she was treated differently by the host. I swear to goodness. And I was like, what is happening here yes how is this and i i just got off this supposed to be a spiritual retreat it wasn't meant to be a retreat i guess at the end of the day uh long long story short it was a it was a glorified vacation share but that's not what we walked in thinking it was and i walked out realizing a lot more about people in modern day and how much we need to repair than anything which is why is part of why i'm going into the work that i'm going into because I've been a diversity and inclusion expert in um, various nonprofit organizations, but I mostly specialize in LGBTQI issues because I don't feel like I have the right to speak on, you know, BIPOC experience or African-American or Black experience. I can say this is how you could be a little bit less of an asshole, but I can't speak to the experience. But I'm really realizing how many spiritual entrepreneurs out there and just businesses in general don't know the basics of how to be inclusive the basics of how to be inclusive yeah and that's a problem it is a problem and it's a big problem and the thing is is i'm usually that person in those rooms mm-hmm. typically and and it's it for me it's been like that since i was young because i was always in the the gifted classes and all this stuff and usually it was usually sometimes just me sometimes it would be two or three but I was that person and I I was used to it you know for me but a lot of people that look like me are not used to that you know but for me I was you know and I'm still that person sometimes there are rooms that I'm in and I'm still the only one that looks like me right you know and I, I got to a place where I have decided that I'm not going to tolerate any type of abuse in any way I'm gonna call it out yeah because I, you know at, at times we would tolerate that type of thing just to fit, fit in and to get along you know and and it has just gotten to the place where it's like no no I'm not putting up with that yeah. you know what I mean because yeah. if, if I paid my money I'm sure I paid the same money you did you know and if I took my time or if I was invited or whatever you know what I mean? So that that's a thing. So 
I appreciate the fact that you said that, you know, you were in diversion and, and inclusivity, inclusive, you know, that word. Yes. <laughs> you were inclusivity. Word, but you, um, you realize that, you know, you weren't qualified to speak from that vantage point, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people I've noticed that, you know, they, they, they say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into diversion and, you know, inclusivity and this, that type of thing, but you don't really know, you know what I mean? You, you've seen and you've heard and you've been in rooms, you know, whatever, but it's no way for you to really know. Right. And for me, I have some friends I had to share with them. I said, you know, you got privilege, you know, and they didn't think they did because, you know, they came from a poor family and all this kind of stuff. I said, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. I said, you have privilege because you can walk in rooms that um, easily that I might have to fight to get into. Yep. Exactly. You know? and, and, you know, this person was like, no, but I feel like, you know, you, you know, this and that and third. And I said, no, I said, you, you got to look at it like this. I said, because this is what society sees. You know, it has nothing to do with, you know, whether I'm smarter than you or any of that kind of stuff, you right. know, whether I have more education or whatever. I said, it just has to do with, you know, surface stuff, the color of one's skin, which is so, you know, idiotic. It really, it, and I mean, like when I think of those studies that say doctors think people with a darker skin tone can ex- experience less pain. I'm like, but the same organs and the same brain and the same, same blood. everything else, it's literally just the skin tone. What do we, I mean, and obviously like genetics, but like the in, the inner working is still the same. And oh, like it just boggles my mind. And, and that is so important. Like I talk a lot about intersectionality and I, and intersectionality comes from black feminism, right? Black feminism stemmed into intersectional feminism and Go into that this, a little bit, because I know yeah. people don't really know what that is. Right. Well, if you picture a line and mm-hmm. above above the line is privilege and below the line is non-privilege. Okay. Right. White is above the line. Male is above the line. High socioeconomic status is above the line. Uh, Christian above the line. Below the line is things like non-white. So BIPOC, any kind of racial diversity at all right below the line female born female assigned female at birth below the line feminine yeah. presenting below the line yes lgbtq below the line poverty status below the line so when we get into intersectionality we start to recognize most people probably have at least one on the privilege scale mm-hmm but not everybody does. Some people are literally like they're just, you know, have physical or mental disabilities, have a darker skin tone, have are assigned female at birth, queer, you know, those people exist. So there's no privilege status for them to reach. Right, right, right. Um, trans, but the trans people, oh the my trans God. community is so under fire right now. And that is yeah. one that I, I do speak a lot on because I'm a member of the community and I have right. my own gender journey that I can speak to. But intersectionality is important because when we can acknowledge it's, it's, it's ownership, mm-hmm. right? I'm owning that I have my white privilege. And so I, as a person who is consciously using that knowledge can leverage my white privilege to try and help everyone else below, below the line, even though there are like 90% of me is below that line. 
there's still 10% that isn't. And it happens to be the very visible form, right? Okay, like so the color of our skin. Yeah. So yes, like if you and I went and pitched ourselves to do a diversity and inclusion talk to a big corporation, well, statistically speaking, I'm probably more likely to get the job. And that is really screwed up. Um, it, I, I remember, is what it is. Yes. And I remember when, so my name, Safriana, is a name I chose for myself. Um, and I... Thank you. I renamed myself um, and and stepped into my authentic identity in my mid twenties. And I remember, thank you. I remember saying, or I remember someone saying to me, you're going to have a hard time getting a job now because your name looks ethnic. And I said, excuse me, <laughs> if a job disqualifies me because they are assuming that I am quote unquote ethnic, I don't want to work for them anyway. So they can fuck right off. Because we shouldn't be judging people on these surface things like names and skin color. But we at do. all. But we do all the flipping time. Okay, so speaking to that, I name my children like that because I thought of that. Yeah. And like, the fact that you want to think my about son's that. name is Dylan. And he's a pretty brown boy. And I'm sure he's a wonderful Dylan. He is. And my daughter's name is Sydney because I said I need to make sure that when they see their name on applications, that they're not automatically biased. Yes. And that automatic. You know, his name, all of his names is like, they don't know what to expect when he walks in the door. And when he walked in the door, when he was a little boy, I, I noticed it. I saw it. I was like, okay. <laughs> they didn't know what to expect. And that was how I thought, because I thought if I named them something, you know, that sounded ethnic then that was already going to be a strike against them, you know, right. like a disqualifier. And I didn't want that. And so I, oh my gosh, that, that is, that's huge. And it's so problematic because, and I, I, I really like to talk about this because I think it needs to be talked about. And there are not a lot of white people out there talking about it oh. is like, we have this legacy. I love the, um, the book, my grandmother's hands really powerful in dismantling white supremacy and especially police brutality as it relates to brown and black bodies in the world. And I literally, like I said, I grew up in upstate New York where there was no diversity. Someone diverse moved in. I didn't think anything of it because I'd never been exposed to my, my direct bloodlines credit. They have not been openly racist that I have ever seen. My mom, her best friend is black amazing poet like we were surrounded even when I was a teen by diverse people um but when I moved to Maryland I started to hear and I started to see the exclusion and so that gene right that legacy that's been passed down activated in me and I started to think very not good things mm -hmm. and if I can't talk about that and own that then I can never ever ever Feel truly it. Heal it, yes, because if we ignore it, we're not healing it. No. So I started to have conversations about this. I started to call out when I would have an instantaneous racist bias thought or a fear response or a whatever and say, I'm having this response and I'm calling it out because I'm not going to be ashamed of it because this is a legacy. Yeah. But I need to own it to heal it and speak on it so other people can also own it and stop doing the damn damage in the world that they are. Yes. And take it out of our bloodlines. Yes. You know, because the people don't, know, they don't realize 
these things transfer in our cells and our nervous systems and our DNA. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. You see it, it's like, okay, I gotta do something about this. Yes. Especially if you are progressive. Yeah. And I work with uh, internal family systems slash parts work uh, as prior trauma therapist and now as a coach. And it's a spiritual belief that we all are, you know, we all have multiplicity of parts. We all have a core self that is sovereign and completely capable of handling anything. But we need to learn that from our parents. And most of our parents weren't equipped with that energy. So we are parts which were inherent to us our creative parts, our loving parts, our compassionate parts get wounded out in the world and then they become disharmonized and they shut down. And so I really work on bringing those parts that still have those damaged beliefs, those wounded, traumatized beliefs. And that's where it all comes. This all comes from trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, I I don't think there's any be all end all bad guy other than trauma, which has been perpetuated for generations and generations we have to literally go in and retrieve these parts that have been wounded and bring them to the present time and give them a system update and give them some love and give them some self-awareness so they can catch up and heal. And we have four legacy burdens in the United States, which is racism, sexism, individualism, and consumerism. And you can see we all of us are dealing with those four big energies in this culture that we have to unpack. Yes. Because it's everywhere. Everywhere. And you can't, you can't even get away from it. You can't. It's like, you literally can't. Yeah. And you, yeah. Cause I know different parts of the country. Um, I'm from Georgia originally. Uh, and I grew up in busing. So we were bused like an hour away from home. Wow. Yeah. I remember that so clearly. I was in the first grade. Yeah. So I can, I can, I can relate to all of that. It's like, okay, I remember that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember the first experience that I had with, with racism, which was really funny because it was a girl that she and I were friends. And she was a little white girl and she, um, we were on the playground and she called me a nigger. Well, oh. I had never been called that before at six, yeah. five years old or whatever, you know. And, but I knew that it wasn't a good thing. You know, I knew right. the word. So I slapped the piss out of her. <laughs> that is certainly one way to handle it. I mean, yeah. And, but it was crazy because we were friends. Yeah. And what I realized later was that it was just a word that she heard her family use. Yep. You know, and she, you know, cause we were friends and they tried to, um, suspend me, but my mother went down there with her little Afro and she said, um, no, are you going to suspend the other girl? Because my child, you know, wouldn't do that unprovoked. Mm-hmm. and that wasn't right what she said you know my mother she of course threatened to call the um the school board lady that they do well and mom threw her name out there and she was like you know I'll just call you know the lady and you know we, we could just handle that 
And the principal's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but of course. Something, how it had to even get to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I remember that thing so clearly. I don't remember a lot of my childhood, but I remember that, which is yeah. great, right? But um, anyway, let's get into um how you started doing this um the the body work that we were talking about in the green room because that's yeah. huge and I know that that actually probably integrates into this yes it does because so we were talking about I'll just for those of you listening we were having a great conversation I'm so sad we weren't recording it because it was just lovely but <laughs> we're just gonna have to keep talking I guess about something that I've been studying for the last year. And I study with a group called body of nine. And it is this understanding that here on planet earth, there are nine different types of bodies. And this is across culture, across race, across gender does not matter. We have nine types of bodies that for whatever reason, why nine, why is this the way it is? I have no idea. I wish I had the answers, but the proof is so there once you see it. Uh, there are nine types of people, one through four love eye contact, and they make connections through eye contact of a very specific type. Fives through nine, uh, they are more activity-based in how they connect with others. And their eyes are used more for observation than they are for connection. And just knowing that alone, being able to know, if I walk into a room with someone now, I'm a natural number nine, and I know they're a natural number one, I know I need to honor that person with a lot of respect and dignity, not get anywhere near criticism or feedback, but a lot of positive reinforcement. And they really need soft, gentle eye contact from me. Okay. And and they will benefit from me lifting my chin to look at them because natural number one is here in the throat. Oh, and so the kind of eye contact that ones make is soft and receptive and vulnerable, so vulnerable. And they have this deep connection to source immediately. So Mm. again, I know that about one just by studying the system briefly, right? I love body of nine because it's like a shortcut versus let's say human design or astrology, which you can get really deep into, right? Like there's so go down the rabbit hole. all the layers and layers and the gates and the channels and the planets and the trines and the this and that and body of nine is like this is your body model how do you use your eyes what center of your body do you lead from um and that informs how you communicate with other people it it impacts your general energy in a space nines i'm a natural again i'm a nine Uh, we don't like to use force at all and we have an inherent understanding of unity and that all people are equal not every other natural number has that not every other natural number has that yes so I believe that we pick our body coming in in alignment with what our mission is right so natural number three for example they are all about joy in the world they have these big vibrant huge smiles with secondary smile lines and they lead from their collarbone and they are so focused I always, I'm like, that's got to be a natural number three. Um, Chef Amory, I always say his name wrong, but he's the chocolate guy that makes these like statues of, I'm like, he's got to be a three. There's no way he's not because three's eyes are so able to hone in on the littlest details. And when I went out and I learned how to activate the other numbers, what was wild is I actually got to 
feel the change in my own body. My eyes would change and I would be able to see things differently because I was activating the power posture of the different natural numbers. Oh, wow. So it's fascinating. And again, it starts to really break down. There's no such thing as this being different. It's just, we all have, we all have our own body and there are certain models of bodies across culture that if we just know the other person's model of body, we can immediately connect with them in a different and deeper instantaneous level. Um, I, gosh, I could talk about it for hours. Uh, how did hours, you find hours. it? So I was on my own recovery journey from codependency and overcoming uh, trauma and abuse that I had endured when I was younger and in my twenties. And I happened to go to like a self-development empowering event with Lisa Limita and Kayla Jetta of the Rise Leadership Circle. And I met, I just was networking. Um, it was my first time networking, I was terrified. Uh, and I met a woman named Jess Verrill. <laughs> and Jess was writing, Jess is a publisher, uh, House of Indigo Publishing, and she was working on a multi-authored book on parenting. And for some reason, I had the loudest call in the world to get in this book which was really weird because I'm not a parent. I've right. lost children um, and I have had bonus children or stepchildren, whatever you want to call them, but I don't have any biological children of my own at this time. So I was like, why do I want to be on this book about parenting? <laughs> but I joined the book project and that's where I met Susan. And Susan is the one who's been studying the body of, and she, she and her husband, Martin, call it body of nine. It is so important to know that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. They have attached it to numbers and they call it natural number, but we could call it literally anything in the world. The core knowledge is that your body holds your own wisdom and inherent gifts, your spiritual superpowers, your natural abilities. And because you don't match your parents, that's one of the most fascinating things. Unless your family was bigger than 10 people, that's when you would start repeating the numbers, right? Because you've got nine to go through. So parents, they have not yet found parents that match natural numbers that have had children together. So we've got two different parents, two different numbers, and then all the kids coming out are different numbers and the parents are applying their lens of how they see the world. I have clients come in all the time. They're like, yeah, you know, my dad always made sure to tell me that I had to make eye contact or it was disrespectful. Well, dad's probably a one through a four. Yes. Because if you, I, I know a mom who's an, a six and she does not care. Her kids are all connectors, one through four. She's a six. She doesn't care. So she needs her kids to actually come over and tell her, hey, mom, look at me because I need, I need your attention right now. And they have a, a code for it. So mom, that That's mom neat. is teaching you got to have eye contact all the time. So yeah, it's just, it's a major shortcut. Um, and I was identified as a part of that book. And at first I was like, this is weird. I I don't understand number what, huh? And then after three months of being identified and knowing that I lead from my shoulder blades, I started to notice, oh, I do stand with my back. I love being hugged from behind. Oh, I'm really fluid when I dance through my shoulders. And I started to feel more empowered in my body mm. because yeah. I just knew my center of leadership and my activation posture. Mm. Love it. And so cascaded into me unlocking my spiritual gifts understanding i hold these 
massive spiritual containers for people, understanding. I genuinely see the unity and the love in everyone and everything. I think we're all God. And I've never understood why do other people not get that? Well, there's only actually a couple other natural numbers that see things naturally that way. Gotcha. So it's a celebration of it sounds like um uh your uh what is what is that thing called? Numerology, life path. Yes. You know, a lot of people, that's the first question they ask me is, is this my life path number? No, but the numerology does have some overlap because nine is the, is the number of completion. One is the beginning, right? And there is some in body of nine, like the, the numbers were chosen for a reason having to do with the numerology, but it's not the same as life path. You're going to have, you may have a completely different life path number than your natural number, which is your body's blueprint. And then, yeah, like life path is more of that cosmic design. It's more of that mission work, right? Yeah. I, I no, love blue. It's a nine. Yeah. So we so, know this, you know, humanitarian yeah. and, you know, all this type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting because where there is that numerological overlap, we can see how the body governs and then how the spiritual purpose or the mission governs differently. Yes. And why did you pick the body you have, right? How is your body uniquely equipped for your mission? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I picked it. I, I think I would want it to be, you know, a little smaller. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are answers out there. And, and I feel, again, when I learned my natural number initially, I was like, I don't really get this. It was because, you know, I'd heard of Enneagram and like the personality test, but there was no test for this. They're like having me look in the camera right. and they had me wiggle my shoulders and they got me pretty quick. And then they started to describe nine to me. And I'm like, uh, you've been spying on me? <laughs> and they're like, no, we've just interviewed another thousand people like you that have the same natural number. And these are the overlapping experiences that we've discovered and studied that all nines have. Mm. I'm like, whoa blown yeah. away i it i felt like you i was felt like you were in the twilight zone <laughs> uh, yeah that is exactly what i was going for i really because i discovered human design by that point and of course astrology and a lot of these other ones but this is like so much more fast track well to you don't me, have to it seems like it's, it's streamlined it's so streamlined because human design oh my god i like i said i know a little bit about it and i know what mine is and i kind of have some ideas and stuff like that but it's like oh my god you could go all in like you could go you know, all in for me I don't have any any color centers so that actually is kind of good for me so I don't have to worry about any of that <laughs> but then you got the the gates and you know the the, the other numbers on the side <laughs> uh-huh and I'm like staring at it going huh whereas if you just if you just attend um so we do I'm a practicing partner of body of nine and I'm learning how to identify people. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And natural number nines pick up things very easily. <laughs> Never in my life had I ever been challenged the way that I was here, but I'm looking at people's bodies and their eyes in a totally new way. And I'm like, how does Susan see all this shit? And Martin's always being like, she's been doing this for 20 years. She's pushed on 8,000 people. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Give it's yourself okay. grace. But um, just in one workshop learning, I took a, a quick workshop with them where I just learned the basics of one through nine, you know, what 
What do they look like? How do they make their eye contact? How do they show up in the world? And that alone, that paired with learning my most intimate family's numbers, the relationships healed so much in a matter of weeks. Oh, that's amazing. Weeks. Because my sister, my sister's a natural number eight. Natural number eights root through the earth. They're so grounded. They are in their bodies. They feel everything in their bodies. Um, very acute eye contact when they do make it. They're observing their eye contact. can kind of look a little sharp. And they need stability and consistency more than anybody else. And they will extremely, extremely experience disappointment if you say you're going to do something and you don't. Everyone else you say you do, you're going to do something and you don't, they're like, oh, that's obnoxious. But eights, who they might abandon you if you... <laughs> If you say you're going to do something and you don't, and after learning, she was an eight and learning the basics of eight, I went to her and I said, I am so sorry for all of the times that I've energetically been prepared to show up for you, but then I didn't have the physical follow through. And so it looked like I was abandoning you, or it looked like I was not keeping my word. And I'm really sorry. And I'm going to do better to only tell you I can do things if I can do them and I can definitely do them. Yeah. So they feel and she was like, thank you so much. Yeah. She, she felt seen, she felt heard, and I've been able to stick to that because I know she needs me to be really consistent. And she also needs me to give her her time to make her own decisions, <laughs> which is eights take longer than anybody else usually to come to really hard decisions. Okay. Yeah. So That's 101 so right there. And I was just able to instantly connect with her in that way. That is so neat. So now did you, were you able to um, see what your parents number was? So what's really interesting, a lot of us will marry um, parents of, or will marry our parents' natural numbers. We'll end up with one of them. And my father passed away a couple years ago and we've been trying to kind of like look at old photos and do our best guess, but you really need to be able to see the dynamic movement because in photos, Actually. a lot of us are posing, we're wearing makeup, we're, mm -hmm. you know, done up, whatever. Um, but my relationships thus far have almost exclusively been with natural number ones. And we're pretty sure my mom is a five. My One of the things that can impact um, being identified is obviously if you're wearing makeup when you show up to the call or to be, because that changes how your eyes look. Um, but also trauma, plastic surgery, things like that can impact how we, because we can collapse around our numbers. I think I was collapsed around my nine for a really mm -hmm, long mm -hmm. time. So nines are very misunderstood because we're out here trying to make all the positive impact while using no force. And so people think we're being passive or we don't care. When we pay attention, our faces are actually very blank mm -hmm. and our eyes look glossy and like we're gone, but we're actually more there, like all of these things. So anyway, we think my mom's a five. Um, we need to get Susan and Martin or me better trained to be able to push on her a little bit more because she's had so many experiences and she's had some surgical stuff that has changed her body shape. So I like the way you did five. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're pretty sure because her current husband is a natural number one, the chances are my dad was also a natural number one. <laughs> so yeah, I could see that. And that really led me into my wife is natural number one. So we, knowing that we're able to take a full step back and repair our relationship from a different angle, because we were likely acting out parent dynamics before we were aware of this. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. So now wow. we're able to talk about that and unpack it and get to the healthy side of our natural numbers. My other partner is a natural number two. 
totally different energy. They lead from the the ribs. We call them the ribbles around here. They lead from the the center of the bottom of the ribs, like below the heart. And they have these big sparkly eyes and these cute little cheeks. Like they have these cute apple cheeks and they smile. And they are so able to meet with someone in intensity right then and there with eye contact. They're on, they're ready. Um, and they are mirrors. They're able to mirror the energy of anyone they're with. Um, so that's very different than one, the throat, which is all about vulnerability. And it's all about opening up to the depth of your truth. Yeah. And the vulnerability. Like you see the, the slight differences in nines are just holding space for you to be the fullness of who you are, knowing you're unified with God. Like this is magical stuff. It is. Threes are bringing the joy. Fours bring the depth of emotions. Fives bring the framework to the world and a connection to source. Sixes bring leadership and dynamic energy of what's alive in the moment. Sevens are our visionaries and they see all the possibilities. Eights hold the really calm, physical, grounded space with dignity for everyone and our nines are holding down the fort so that's powerful yeah and when you know everyone's number and you can bring everyone together in a corporation or a family knowing that Mm -hmm. think of the work you can do together I was gonna say that that sounds like powerful work I mean because it's I haven't heard of it before and so it's it's really intriguing to me you know and it sounds like just like you said more streamlined and simple then astrology that takes you I don't even people will look at me and they're like well do you know astrology I'm like no I know my sun no. sign I know my moon sign <laughs> I know my rising sign I now know my Venus but that's really about it that's where I'm at too and for some people it's an awesome special interest and I love working with practitioners who specialize deeply in these things because they they can teach us so much and sometimes it's just nice to get to know someone right away and know how to communicate with them without having to unpack a whole chart. Yes. <laughs> uh, what, what do they say now? That part. <laughs> yes. If I tell you, I, I thought about it one time. I was like, you know, I need to study astrology and I start looking at that stuff and my eyes started crossing and I was like, no, you know what? It's, it's like, um, it's like I'm a writer and people say, oh, well, um, I had to write it and I edited it. And I, I said, you know what? I am a writer. I'm not an editor. I'm not a formatter. I'm not a cover designer. Not any of that shit. I write the story. That is yeah. what I do. I said, yeah. so I am, you know, truly one of these people that have learned that I'm going to stay in my lane. You know, and I'm going to let these other people go in their lane and do what they do. And if I need them, then I can reach out to them, you know, for their area of uh, genius. Yes. To work in mine. <laughs> I love that. And that is, we are not meant to go it alone. No. We're not meant to go it alone. This legacy that I was talking about earlier of individualism has got to go. We are meant to work in community. Yes. And, you know, if you, uh, what I've noticed lately is that a lot of people are trying to create communities because I've been Mm -hmm. in a bunch of different like Zoom rooms with people that, you know, are having virtual teas and happy hours. And I call mine the power hour, you know, different things that we're doing. And and that's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't think I would like it because to be honest, I am an introvert, really. 
But I was like, you know what? I need to do this. And so I've done a few different ones. You know, I have one, she was reaching out to me. She's like, well, are you going to join? Because, you know, it's 39 a month and this and that. And I was like, well, that's not what I'm going to do right now. But I appreciate it. And it may come a time when I will do it. But I've been in a lot of different rooms. And I noticed that people are just like creating community. And I think that's great. Because we need it. We do. You know, we need it. It's like we crave it, especially after this pandemic. Ooh, yeah, seriously. And it's taught us the importance of community. And I hope that that is a spark that in the scheme of things, as awful as the past several years have been, that we're really, really able to unite in now. And without it, I wouldn't have probably met Susan and Martin in the Body of Nine community. I wouldn't have gotten into my spiritual work because I would not have been pushed out of my comfort zone at the agency, right? Like, So I hope we can take the gifts that are offered to us, mourn the losses, grieve the losses, feel it, but still move forward in the fullness of who we are. I have a friend that used to say, uh, she used to call it the gifts in the garbage. Mm. And I was like, yes. We discard it. (laughs) That. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, take the gifts and run with them because, you Mm -hmm. know, it did bring some gifts, especially when we start shifting our perspective. You know, for me, it brought um, sickness so that I could step out of the spiritual closet (laughs) and start doing this work that I know that I was put here to do. Yes. You know, it was like, you know, all kinds of things, you know, I ended up with long COVID, which Mm. has been really horrible. Yes. Um, I thought I was having early dementia because I, my short term memory was like, and, uh, over this last, let's see, what was that, September? So what, almost a year now? I was dealing with that, you know, and healing from it and, you know, sending energy to myself and also receiving it from other people. And that's mm-hmm. another thing too that I wanted to just just share. Um, Now for me, I listened to the, the um, what were we talking about? The legacy of individualism. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was always this person that, you know, I just wouldn't reach out to people, you know? And so I start, I learned that um, a friend of mine actually told me one day we were talking and, and I've never met her in person. She's another amazing online person that I met. We've never met in person, but we've been friends for, I don't know, five, six years. And she said, one day we were talking and she said, you know what? You got to let somebody help you. And I was like, she's Right she's right and so I did I started you know allowing other people to you know work in my energy because I was working in my own energy and sending my own self self healing and doing my own Reiki on myself and you know all these other things that these courses and classes and stuff that we're certified in 50,011 things of them yeah (laughs) yep feel that so I said okay and so I started doing that and I started you know seeing the difference and receiving. And then I realized, I thought about it. I said, you know, I said, it's just like a massage therapist. You can't do your own massages. It's very, very true. You know, <laughs> you might be able to massage your feet, your right. other hand, maybe your shoulder, <laughs> but you're very limited on how far you can go. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And I, 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 I was resonating with this, what you were talking about, how we really have to get out of this because to me, that was a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, you know, I'm good. I don't, you know, I don't need, you know, anybody else. You know, I'm good. I'm all right. 
you know, and, you know, just being able to step into this place where, you know, we are, you know, forming communities and being a part of communities and actually opening up. Because what I notice is a lot of people are so closed and shut down, mm-hmm. especially after this pandemic. Yeah. And because I think it's so much isolation. Isolation and not understanding people and not seeing them for who they they are. But this, I call it... <laughs> I call it the the mythical number zero in body of nine, right? Like this idea that we're all the same, that we're all one size fits all, that everyone can come back to this, like meet some zero. No, we're all different. Yes. And we need to celebrate those differences. Yes. And And love on on each other because of them. Yes. You know, and come together in community. Yes. Can we do that? I believe we can. I was going to say, do you feel like we can do that in our lifetime? I want to say yes. Um, I'm going to have faith that yes, it's possible in our lifetime. I think that it's going to take radical things like bringing body of nine to the forefront where we can celebrate people's superpowers and differences in different ways. I think it's going to take more diversity and inclusion educators coming out who have done their own work on their own niche, non-privilege that can leverage whatever bits they have or have connections with people that have leveraged their privilege to start getting in more places and speaking. We're not going to get there with silence. We're Mm -hmm. only going to get there with more vocal acceptance and celebration of each other's differences. I feel like, I feel like that's a part of my mission for interviewing spiritual entrepreneurs, because I feel like, you know, we need platforms. There's a few, you know, because I love um, Next Level Soul. I love that. And I love, um, what's that girl I was watching her yesterday? Deja, Deja Blue. I love her podcast, you know, and, and you know, a few of the other ones, but I feel like this is a part of my mission to help to get spiritual entrepreneurs out here, you know, because a lot of them, you know, they're afraid to get out there because, you know, a lot of us are afraid of judgment and all these other things that come. But I feel like, you know, that is something that, you know, I've been called to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also love it too. (laughs) Yes. And that is the more we can embrace the joy with what we're doing. And when we find our, when we are able to unlock our blueprint, when we're able to step into the fullness of our gifts, we can stop buying into this screwed up capitalistic system of one size fits all and start inventing, reinventing ourselves, our ways of moving through life. And we can start healing out loud and showing other people it's possible to break away from that too. That's really what I'm doing in my mission. I was going to say, I'm so excited about that because when I was listening to you say that, you know what I heard? Michael Jackson, heal the world. Mm. That's what I heard. I was like, you know, we could just heal the world. And, And I don't know about you, but I listened to his earth song, Mm-hmm. Quite regular, like at, at least once a week, I listen to it. That's a great song because it was Brilliant. just it was so deep. Yeah, you know, and you yeah. could only you could feel his heart. You know, you'd feel him. It's like, oh my god, you know, you know, because he, oh my god, we could I could talk about him all day because I feel like he was just so full of love and he was misunderstood, you know, and I feel like he his mission was was to heal the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's many of us out here trying to do it that are misunderstood because we're not able to be seen in the fullness of who we are. And, yes. you know, just like you were speaking to with the individualism that came from trauma, that came from fear, that came yes. from being oppressed. It did yes. not come from being seen in your authentic self Yes, and being welcomed into a community to celebrate your differences. If yes. that was the baseline, if that's what all our kids get this next generation, we could, we could heal the world while we're still alive. We just need to prepare the leaders coming into the world now to embrace the fullness of who they are from the get-go. Yes. I think that's yes. going to be the the turning point. Absolutely. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. So now one more thing I want to ask you, if there was anything in the world that you could change, what would it be? Anything in the world that I could change, what would that be? I mean, I think it would be judgment. If I, if I could change and remove one thing, it would be judgment because, and I would replace it with curiosity because if we can reproach everything with curiosity, it changes the whole game. Yes. When I'm curious now about what someone natural, someone's natural number is, I'm really paying attention to their smile and their eyes and their body mm-hmm. language. And I'm really get, getting curious about them so that I can meet them exactly who they are and how they are instead of judging them for how they're showing up in the room. So, so on a, on a, on a, um, uh, on a superficial level, what would you say my natural number was? So I'm not supposed to, because I'm not fully trained, make guesses, but what I do notice right away with you is that you do seem to match my energy in the room, right? You're I, I feel like when I get excited, you get excited. And when I come down, you come down a little bit. So I see that reflective quality in you. You do have some real cute cheeks <laughs> and a great smile. So, and your mission in the world seems to be connecting people. So my initial impression is that I believe you could be a connection number. Um, but that is all I will say right now mm-hmm. because I'm, because what can happen is if we guess somebody's natural number without being sure and they go and they start looking into that and they start seeing themselves in that framework and that's not who they are, it creates more dissonance. Yeah. When we tell someone their natural number, it should feel like a homecoming. It should be like, thank God they finally know who I am and how to see me for who I am. Not a, uh, that doesn't it's really like this. It. it should be like this. Oh, Thank goodness. And it might take, you know, they always sleeping on it is good. Let it sink in because you'll have activated it. They'll, if they get your natural number and they're like, we're pretty sure you're this and you activate it in your body and you sleep on it, you tend to wake up the next morning feeling, Hmm, I'm a little more in alignment versus if we were to tell someone the wrong number, you know, and, and put that out there and they activate that they might start to feel even more foreign in their body because they haven't mastered their own natural state it's like mm. we're really unpacking the nurture right the nurture Ooh, yeah. masks our nature so yeah. what we're doing is we're peeling back the nurture and we're seeing the nature of the body underneath mm. and when we see that we start to step out more vibrantly so i don't want to mistell you and lead you astray but i can absolutely help you or anyone else figure it out with the right tools I was going to say, I just wanted to, I wanted the people to see, you know, how that could work. You know, yes. that's really, that was what I wanted here. And I was like, that was perfect. perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I can relate to that too, because when I first figured out my human design, 
um, the time of my birth, I thought was a different mm. time than it actually was. Yep. And so when I did it at first, I thought I was born at 1130 AM. I'm born on the 1st of November. Um, my mother told me that I was born just after midnight because she said that she held her legs closed because she didn't want me born on Halloween. <laughs> well, that, yeah. And that changes the perspective of things with regards to human design and astrology, but it, it does not the whole change design. your human design. Yeah. Or it does not change your, your natural number. And so. I, was, I thought, whoa, because I thought I was a projector. Mm, that's a huge difference. Yes. And then when huge I found difference. out, well, I didn't really even align with being a projector either. Cause I was trying to figure out, I was like, I don't know about this, you know? And then I was like, well, maybe that's just not for me. <laughs> and then I, when I found out the, the real time and I did my chart and it came up reflector and I started looking at it, I was like, you know what? I, I kind of do align with that because mm -hmm. I do notice that, you know, I need downtime. I have yeah. to have it. I need alone time where it's just fucking me. Yes. You know, and I noticed that and I've always been that way. Right. You know, so I was like, okay, I can, I can see, you know, some aspects and stuff like that. But um, anyway, any last words that you want to say? And then if you want, if you have any programs or anything that you're doing that you want to share or any, you know, anything that you are, you know, uh, building or yeah, thing, just share that and also share with the people where they can connect with you the best you know because some people like Facebook some people like Instagram some people like LinkedIn you know whatever oh yeah there's a billion things out there I mean my final words would would be that I believe in you and your authenticity and I believe that the most important thing you can do to heal the world is to work on stepping into your authenticity because like cells in a body every single cell counts when it comes to the health of the whole being mm. so yes and where you can connect with me, the easiest way is to go to livinglunas.com. So that's the word living, like, I don't know, young living, living Luna, like the moon with an S at the end, because we're living Lunas and we have a big, bold mission or safriana.com, just my first name.com. And the best place to connect with me is actually over in discord or just send me an email at coach at safriana.com because Facebook is a bunch of cold calls these days and so is LinkedIn. So I really, until I've had a face-to-face -face connection or we've spoken via email or discord, I uh, kind of leave them on unread as much as possible. So yes, I'd love to connect with you. Um, and if you are looking for a gift for yourself to really play this year, I am hosting a retreat in Sedona for the 1212 portal in the last mm -hmm. new moon of 2023 with my beloved friend and fellow natural number nine, Mary Gooden. So you can just guess that is going to be this beautiful spiritually held space. We have natural number two coming in to cook for us, plant-based meals. All you gotta do is get there and then we are going to shower you with love and gifts and art supplies because we're gonna be in the energy of inner child healing oh, without a curriculum. That is so yes. good. Yes. So good. I so that is where I would... I want everybody to come join me there. So far, the crew is a bunch of like star seeds and spiritualists and artists and writers and just awesome people. Um, and I also have a spiritual community for anyone 
It is open. It is meant to be diverse. It is not one religion. It is spiritual self-expression and sacred self-mastery. I call it the sacred moon circle because it's just an easy name. We meet on new moon, full moon, and a manifest your month call, as well as the eight holidays of the wheel of the year. So we celebrate all the seasons together and the transitions throughout. We really go with the rhythm and you just get to show up authentically in that program and journal or meditate or do art or whatever you need to do as I lead channeled meditations and light language and whatever, whatever sparks in the energy that night. So it's a great time. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, this stuff geeks me out and I love it. <laughs> yes. And it's just cool for people to come together and be celebrated for who they yeah. are and what they do. Yeah. So thank you. We need love. We do. You know? All of us. Yeah. Every single one of us, we need love. Yes. And I tell people, I'm like, if you don't feel like you need love, what do you need? I said, because you know, you know what my, my thing is? Love is the principal thing. Yes. Love is all source. Love is magic. Love is unity. Yes. Yes. So I'll have all of her details in the show notes as, as well as her links, you know, how you can connect with her. I believe she has her discord community as well as website and all that stuff in there. So you'll be able to click on those. There'll be clickable links. Um, and I'm so super excited just to be here with Safriana because this has been so amazing. Um, I definitely want to stay connected and we might have to do a part two. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank I you so want much. I to thank everybody for joining us here. Thank you for joining Straight Out of Savannah with my guest, Safriana Luna. This has been such an amazing show. She is such a powerful, powerful spiritual entrepreneur. And so with that being said, if you are wanting to join me and be interviewed on Straight Out of Savannah, you are a spiritual entrepreneur changing the planet. Come and join me on Straight Out of Savannah. Um, and I'm just super, super grateful for you watching and uh, listening to the show. And I would love it if you would make sure that you share, that you like, share, and subscribe to it if you're watching it on YouTube. And also if you're watching it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, because this podcast is available on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google, um, Radio Now, Listen Breaker, Radio Breaker, Listen Now, um, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So again, thank you so much for joining us on Straight Out of Savannah. And I hope that the rest of your day is magical. Bye now. I know you've been blown away with the amazing value here today. Now go out and inspire the planet. And be sure to send us a message when you're ready to come talk about it. I'm straight out of Savannah. Talking with Tammy.